Hey there, Financially Savvy Travelers. I want to tell you about a great travel podcast called Out Travel the System from Expedia. Now in its third season, it features tips and tricks for making the most of your travel experience. After a year in our homes, many of us are eager to travel again. If you're ready to go overseas, this season includes memorable explorations of Spain, France, and Australia. However, if you'd rather stay closer to home, listen along as Out Travel the System profiles some of America's most vibrant cities like Boston, New York, and Chicago. Join host Nisreen Tassi as she speaks with people like Onika the Traveler, among others, to find out how and why they travel. Out Travel the System comes to you from Expedia. This new season is the best yet. So follow today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. Head over to podcast.thoughtcard.com forward slash Expedia to follow. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. Tom Blake is a freelance writer and digital nomad. Tom's been writing about personal finance for the last three years. And since graduating college, he's lived the digital nomad lifestyle on and off in places like Dubai, Colombia, and Florida. Tom currently writes for Money Crashers and several other personal finance websites. He also runs This Online World, a website that helps people learn about ways to make money online create passive income, and start profitable side hustles. Now, in this episode, we discuss the pros and cons of the digital nomad lifestyle, what to look for when picking your next destination, and the most popular digital nomad careers. Now, in the extended interview, when you join the Thought Card Club, you'll get access to Tom's extended interview where he shares how to downsize your possessions and what to pack for in your first trip as a digital nomad. You'll also get access to our entire archive of bonus episodes from past guests, as well as workshops I've hosted and my upcoming audiobooks. All right, now let's dive into this chat with Tom Blake. Before I forget, if you're looking for more episodes related to digital nomadism, location independence, and even side hustles, I have more recommendations for you. Head over to episode 71 to learn how to become location independent with Debbie Archangelis. In that episode, we talk about the most common misconceptions about becoming location independent, steps you can take to become location independent this year, as well as tips for transitioning to remote work or finding remote job opportunities. Also in episode 72, we talked to Daniela Flores all about how to create a lucrative side hustle from your existing skills, ways you can balance side hustling with a nine to five job, as well as how to financially manage all of your income streams. So definitely head over back to episode 71 and 72 for more resources. 
Financially Savvy Travelers. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Card Podcast. Today, I have Tom Blake with me, and we're going to be talking all about the pros and cons of the digital nomad lifestyle. Now to prepare for this conversation, I was doing some Googling. I was trying to, you know, see what questions that a lot of people have on the internet. And the first question that popped up is, is digital nomad legit? Is it a legit lifestyle? So Tom, I thought this was hilarious, but would love to hear like your perspective on that question. Absolutely. I think that's a great question. And thanks again for having me on, Danielle. I'm really excited to chat about all things digital nomad. But I would say there's definitely a lot of that question, especially for people who are thinking about becoming a digital nomad, or maybe they've only tried it for a few weeks and they're kind of getting their feet set. But it is 100% legit. I met a lot of people on the road who have been doing this kind of thing, you know, for years and years. And it's one of those things like you start out in baby steps a lot of the time, but it can become a full-on lifestyle. It's something people can do for years. I've only been doing it for two years at this point, but I would say it's absolutely legit. There's people working remotely from all over the world. And if anything, I think it's only going to continue to grow and become easier to do moving forwards. I love that. I love that. Okay. So question number one, it is legit. We know that now. Now, I know that you left your job at a digital marketing agency to work as a freelance writer and live abroad to try out this lifestyle. So why did you consider this something that you wanted to do? And what was it like taking this leap, leaving a comfortable job to become a freelance writer? It was honestly quite tough at the beginning. And it was a bit scary, like you said, taking that leap. But I think what motivated me the most and what motivates a lot of beginner nomads is that desire to travel and have more flexibility in your schedule and daily life. So I had graduated college. I'd been at the same digital marketing agency for two, three years. And I wasn't really satisfied with, you know, staying in Canada all the time. It's kind of cold here after the year. So it just seemed like a type of lifestyle that enables you to still grow your career or your own online business or freelance work and to have more travel time and to see new places and have more flexibility. So for me, that was the primary motivator to figure out, okay, how can I build enough income sources to just hop on a plane, go somewhere and stay there for as long as I want? Excellent. And how did you land on freelance writing? Had you started your blog already? Were you already acquiring clients? Like, How did that come about? Yeah, it was largely due to the blog and it was kind of an initial testing phase almost. So I had thought about quitting the job at my digital marketing agency. And so I started reaching out to try and get freelance writing clients on the side because I had been blogging for about two years. So I could use the blog as a portfolio piece almost. And I started working with the company moneycrashers.com where it's a large personal finance website that helps people make and save more money. And I write content for them still. And so they were pretty much my main client at the time. I had a few ghostwriting gigs on the side that you know, we're kind of paying for groceries. Money Crashers was helping me pay my rent. And I figured between the blog and, you know, just a handful of freelance writing clients, I could probably start moonlighting more or maybe even quit my job and move to a country with a low cost of living. So it wasn't close to replacing my day job by any means, but it was enough of a side income, I think, to get that confidence to get a plane ticket somewhere and, you know, move to Colombia for a bit. And that's what I love about side hustling is that it opens up opportunity because it opens up an avenue that perhaps you wouldn't have ever considered before if that income stream wasn't available. 
But now that it is available, now it's all about, okay, scaling that up and using that to propel you to the next level. So I love that. I love that. And it's definitely something that I'm thinking about for sure. So when you were about to leave your marketing agency job, what are some of the things that went into that decision? And where did you go first when you became, quote unquote, a digital nomad and you started this lifestyle? Yeah, that's a great question because I think mapping out that decision can be very, very scary, especially for the first time when you're leaving a job and going full into freelancing or some remote style of work. For me, I really approached it as first a financial decision. So mapping out monthly cost of living, what do you really need to cover? What are your savings, like your saving levels at? So you can kind of support yourself if things go completely wrong. Uh, And so I had built up about a six month worth of emergency fund. So that was kind of to cover all of my living expenses. If, okay, I go into freelancing, I lose all of my clients immediately. I at least have six months of income saved up so I can kind of look for a new job or try and figure out freelancing a bit more. And the next step in that, I think, is weighing the risks versus rewards. So you look at the career you're leaving potentially or the job you're leaving, or maybe you're taking a pay cut at the same company, but you're going remote in some instances. So looking at that risk versus okay, I'm building an online business or I'm going to maybe change careers and go down freelancing. What is the income potential and lifestyle change potential I can gain from that? And does that warrant the risk? If I had been at a much better job where I was, you know, had more travel time or maybe had better pay or was very excited about the job still, I think it would have been a tougher decision in some sense. But I think mapping out, yeah, those pros and cons or the risk reward and then your actual potential for making the change as well is kind of how to go about the decision. Excellent. After you've done those two steps, how did you pick your first destination? I went to Florida as my first destination. So from Canada down to Florida, pretty much like a snowbird. And kind of like I mentioned with nomading being a set of baby steps for a lot of people, I think that is a really great way for people to start becoming a digital nomad. Because I know you might see on social media, like I need to get a one-way ticket to Thailand and I need to flee the continent and just go somewhere completely new. But that has its own set of challenges for planning your trip, getting used to a different country, climate, food, language. So I think if you can stay almost in your own backyard at the start, or even if you ever have an extended break from work, you can almost use it as a trial run to see if being a digital nomad's for you and go somewhere away from home, but maybe not too far. So you're still getting your feet set. Did you get a one-way ticket to Florida or did you have a return date, a contingency plan? Like how nervous were you that first go around? I was quite nervous. So I actually drove from Canada down to Florida, which was another advantage. Having a car down there made life easier. But I think one-way tickets are pretty common just for that flexibility. That can be scary as well, where you know your plan today, but you don't really know what you're doing three, four months down the line. Right. It's like ripping that band-aid, like one-way ticket, right? But I love your approach. It's like a very practical, we're going to drive down. And I'm sure you were able to see a lot of the U.S. on your way. What was that like from a Canadian perspective, like driving throughout the U.S.? It was really nice and beautiful, honestly. Like Virginia is beautiful. I think Florida is beautiful. I want to spend more time in the Carolinas. What I'm excited about, what I hope listeners who ever decide to try being a digital nomad, I think that first trip you take where you're on a plane or a bus somewhere random and you look out the window and you're seeing these new things, it is exciting. And every time you go somewhere to a new place, I think it reminds you, okay, this is why I decided to travel more and to try this lifestyle. It's beautiful and it's a lot of fun. 
you know, I'm just like getting goosebumps right now because I'm like, we haven't traveled in a full year. So it's like, I could only imagine we're going to Disney in July. So I'm like excited, even though I've been there a million times, but still it's like the first time again, which is like super exciting. All right. So let's dive into the pros and cons of the digital nomad lifestyle. Let's start off with the bad things first, the things that are not so great. What would you say those are for you? That's honestly a great question because I think people brush over the cons quite a bit when talking about becoming a digital nomad and you know what you see on Instagram. But in terms of cons, I think there are definitely two main ones that I've experienced regardless of where I've lived. And the first is your kind of setup time when you get to a new place. No matter how well you prepare in advance, it's going to take time and at some level influence your career or freelance work or online business. It's just inevitable. You're going to get somewhere new. You have to figure out accommodations, you know, where's the nearest grocery store? How does the metro system work in this city? How do I learn this language a bit better and kind of navigate the city? So there's always a bit of struggle at the start when you go somewhere new to just get your feet set and get into a routine, find a coffee shop with good Wi-Fi. I kind of budget for about a week, week and a half of reduced work capacity to kind of negate that con a little bit. And the second main negative thing I would say is Also related to that, it's kind of a never-ending debate in your head of balancing your work and your life. Because I think a lot of people go into becoming a digital nomad for more flexibility. But sometimes if you want to grow your online business or you want to grow your career, that requires a lot of work. And so it's this conflict in your head where you move somewhere new and all you want to do is travel and take photos and explore and, and try new things. But you really have to get used to that schedule of sitting down for nine to five or whatever hours you set and keeping clients happy or keeping your employer happy. Right. Because you're still a freelancer or you're a business owner, right? So you still have to make money if this is the lifestyle that you choose. And I love that you offered this perspective because I truly have never heard it before. (laughs) I listen to a lot of like Jill Nomad podcasts and I just haven't heard the ramp up, but it makes sense. Like you just need time to ramp it up, learn about the destination and your new home. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, would you say that when you are on the road, you are fast traveling or are you taking a slower approach? How long are you actually spending in these destinations? I know you've lived in Dubai and also Colombia. That's also a great question. I feel like a lot of nomads, there's kind of two camps. There's the long-term ones and then kind of the, the shorter trip nomads. I prefer staying at least two months somewhere. I've only stayed places so far about three months in total, each destination I go to. And that's mostly for the work component. I still like to work about 50 hours a week, sometimes a little bit more, just to try and still grow an online business while keeping all the freelance clients happy. So I am still working more now than I was at a nine to five. So in that sense, it's actually less flexible. But that's why I think budgeting, you know, I'm going to go to a new place for three months, four months. It still gives you plenty of time to meet new people, see new things, try new food, explore the city or even surrounding cities. So I prefer the slower travel. I think it's also more economical in some sense when you look at flights or how long you can book Airbnbs and get discounts for your accommodations, discounts and things like that. So I'd say three months is kind of like my golden take on it or my golden rule and favorite, but it varies for nomads. 
And you know, when you said 50 hours, my eyes got big on this line. So I was like, oh, 50 hours a week. So we're going to definitely touch on a day in the life of being a digital nomad and also freelance writer. So we're going to put a pin on that. But we'd love to continue on with the pros. What are the pros of the digital nomad lifestyle? This is where the fun begins, because I think the cons can sound scary and taking that leap can sound scary. But the pros, it's I think it's one of those things you do and it it is a life changing, completely new way to live your life. And so that in and of itself, I think, just gets you an entirely new perspective and appreciation for the places you go to. But in terms of more concrete pros, first of all, I mean, for people who blog and make podcasts and content creators like you and I, I think that alone can just explode your business in so many ways where you can now create content about the places you're living And that can fuel your business or your podcast or YouTube channel in a lot of ways where if you just stay in the same spot all the time, it's not always so easy. And on that line, I think the number of people you meet and just the new connections you make while abroad can also help you personally. They can help your business. It's just a way to expand your network across the globe and just see things and places and people you never would before. I love that. I love that. Now, for someone who's listening to the show and they're like, okay, I think I have a job that can translate, or I think I have skills that can translate to become a Jill Nomad. What would you say would be like the most popular Jill Nomad jobs that you found? Maybe your friends or people you've met on the road, like what would you say would be the most popular careers? There's definitely some common candidates. Writing is one that I just know of because of people I've networked with online or worked with. So I'm a personal finance writer. So I know a lot of finance writers as well who have tried out this lifestyle. I think the most common one I've seen, though, is programming. So programming jobs, even like web development jobs that are a bit more on the graphic design side. I met a lot of graphic designers and and web developers in Colombia. Dubai was the same thing. So that would probably be the most common. The only other common one I could think of would be people who are still fully working a nine to five, but they've just gone remote either because of the recent pandemic or they've just negotiated remote work with their current employer. So maybe they're working in marketing or sales or customer support or some different role like that, but they've just gone remote with their current employer. I love it. And also maybe graphic designing, like that could be another one, anything tech related to. So I definitely love that. And I love the flexibility, like you mentioned, like you can write anywhere. I also think with the pandemic that a lot of jobs had to, they were forced to be remote And a lot of employees now are leveraging the fact that they did a great job working remotely. Now this is an opportunity. This is the time. If you truly wanted to, you can advocate for yourself to see if you can make your, you know, remote work something that could be full time for you. I completely agree. I think if anything, like moving forwards, I think now you're right. Like you said, is the time to advocate and say, I can work remotely. I proved it. And here's my skill sets. You know that about me as an employee. And yeah, I can totally work remotely. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now let's talk about destinations. What are the things that you consider when picking your next destination? That can be quite tricky as well. But that's, that's a great question. And actually that ties back to a pro I forgot to mention, but that is the concept of geo arbitrage. So just taking, let's say you make a European salary or North American salary, going somewhere with a low cost of living is definitely one of the main things I look for when choosing a digital nomad destination. So that's why I decided to go to Columbia in the end because I was still kind of learning how to freelance. So I wasn't making too much money, but getting paid in US dollars while living in Colombia made it quite affordable. So I think low cost of living is definitely the first candidate I would look for. The second one I would look for would 
probably be just how nomad friendly it is. So you can actually use, there's websites like Nomad List, for example, that explain countries with low cost of living and they have good internet and good infrastructures for nomads. They have fun things to do and see. Money Crashers also has some content on remote friendly places or jobs you can get. It'd probably be those two factors I look at first. How much does it cost? And is the infrastructure and city set up to actually support nomads? Is it easy to travel to, easy to travel within that country? Do they have good internet? You know, is accommodations cheap and nice? Those sort of things. So let's dig into why you chose Colombia and Dubai. And were there any other destinations on your list that you were like, oh, I really wanted to go to, but maybe you haven't had a chance to get to yet? Yeah, absolutely. So Colombia was honestly a bit of a random one. It is a popular nomad destination, but only in the last few years because the country's developed a lot since the past few decades. And so I chose Colombia largely because of the cost of living and the climate. And I'd heard it was a beautiful place from a few friends and you know, it sounded like kind of an adventure I wanted to try. So that was my first real jump into the real digital nomad. I wasn't just in Florida kind of vacationing. It was a new country and new continent. Dubai, I honestly went to, it's not nearly as cheap, but it is an interesting place. I went there mostly because it was open. So during the restrictions, it was still quite an open country. It was very, it almost felt like normal life in a sense. So it was quite nice to live there. And there's people from all over the world there. So in terms of networking, I think Dubai is one of the best places you could ever go for a variety of online businesses or businesses you run in person. It really varies by place to place, but I still want to go to Thailand. I want to go to some of the more popular digital nomad spots, but just haven't had the time yet. I hear that. And I saw one of your photos of you skydiving in Dubai. So what was that like? That was pretty cool. That was, I think if you go to Dubai, I definitely recommend doing that. It's quite fun. It's one of those once in a life kind of experiences, I think. And that was honestly, that was after a week of work. It was, okay, let's figure out something fun to do this weekend. And there was a skydiving place right by where I was staying. So it seemed like a natural fit. I love that. I love that. I'll make sure in the show notes when you head over to podcast.thoughtcard.com, I'll have the photo of Tom skydiving and you can see the beautiful background. So that is awesome. Now, in your bio description, you mentioned that you are on and off again. So can you describe that? Because I think a lot of people have this misconception that as Jill Nomad, you have to be on the road 365. So what's your approach to this lifestyle? I kind of thought that at the start too, and I was intending to travel for much longer before the pandemic occurred. So I think it's really up to you at the end of the day and what makes you happy. So I, I met a lot of nomads who have pretty much been on the road for years and years, some even as much as like 10 years, just on the road for the most part. But I like to have a home base still back home. I like to come back when the weather's nice back home and I see friends and I see family and catch up and then go on the road again for three months and then go somewhere else and come home. And I think there are advantages to almost being able to hit a reset button at some point. It can get tiring at different times when you're always on the road and trying different Airbnbs and moving to new cities. And there is that slight sense still of living out of a suitcase if you're only in a location for two months, let's say. So for me, it works out to come back home and kind of reset for a month and then go somewhere else again. But I think it's up to you at the end of the day. But that would be my take. Just thinking about it, I think I would probably do what you do. Go explore for three months, then come back, reset. And like you mentioned, the ramp up time and you're growing your business. If you're working 50 hours a week or more, it takes time. So being able to come back home and kind of be familiar, familiar territory makes a lot of sense. So 
I think I would definitely lean towards what you do. <laughs> so I love that. Especially for vlogging and like you have your podcast. I imagine you're incredibly busy. So I could, it's almost like coming home is a chance to just chill out for a little bit. Right, right, right. I love that. You also mentioned just really briefly about living in a suitcase. So for those who want to join the Thought Card Club, Tom is going to be talking all about packing, how to downsize your possessions and what to pack for your first trip as a digital nomad. So make sure you join the club to get access to that bonus extended interview, but would love to wrap up Tom with sharing with us what a day in the life looks like for you. You mentioned 50 hours a week, which I feel like that's kind of on par for me, but I have a full-time job and side hustle, but would love to hear what does a normal day look like for you when you're perhaps on the road versus like when you're home back in Canada? It can vary depending on where you live, depending on the time zone. So for example, in Colombia, it was the same time zone, more or less, as Canada and North America. But Dubai was, I think, eight hours ahead. So things were pretty much flipped. But typically, it, it means waking up in the morning. You know, I usually wake up around like eight and get an article done for moneycrashers.com. And from there, it'll be various other freelance projects. Kind of take a little break midday, you know, go to a new cafe, go explore the city a little bit, kind of walk around and go check out something new. And then pretty much work until like the normal nine to five lifestyle, essentially. And then maybe for a few hours in the evening, I'll work on my blog, This Online World or YouTube channel or some kind of side project. So I think probably quite similar to your schedule, like working the nine to five, and then you have side hustles you do at night or in the evening with some spare time. All right. So it makes it sound less scary. Like it could be normal for a lot of folks. So I love that. I love, love, love that. Now, the last question I have for you is I know that becoming a digital nomad you must be looking for a community. You must be looking for resources to kind of figure out your next moves or just having friendships and kinships. So what has been your favorite resources, perhaps books, podcasts, Facebook groups, anything like that? You already named one for sure. It would be Facebook groups. I think while you're a nomad, Facebook is one of the best tools you can use to network with people, meet new people, and just have a better experience overall. So Pretty much what I found is any city you go to, you can Facebook search digital nomad groups and then that city. So for example, I was in Medellin, Colombia, and there's a bunch of groups on there for expats or nomads, or even people who want to do language exchanges within that city. So you can meet so many people just from a Facebook group, but pretty much wherever you go. And I think between Facebook groups for networking and then things like your podcast and website, or websites like Nomad List that also spell out some tools for digital nomads. I think there's a lot of content out there you can read to learn more about how you should prepare for your trip. And then in terms of networking and meeting people, yeah, Facebook's unbelievable. Honestly, Tinder is great as well. If you want to just meet new people, go on coffee dates and you know learn more about the city. I also think it's awesome if you're a solo traveler. So lots of ways to meet people. I love that. All right, Financially Savvy Travelers, I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you did, you'll love the extended interview with Tom, where we're going to be talking again all about downsizing your possessions. Because I know, Tom, you're more of a minimalist these days, as well as what to pack for your first trip as a digital nomad. So Tom, before we sign off, please let everyone know how they can connect with you more about Money Crashers and your website. Absolutely. And yeah, thanks again for having me on. I would say that if you want to connect with me, you can definitely find all of my info at thisonlineworld.com. So that's my personal finance blog, moneycrashers.com. I'm also a writer there and there's a lot of great personal finance info and info about making money online as well. So I highly recommend checking them out. 
And I'll also have links to Tom's YouTube channel and I'll post some of his videos, Day in the Life in Dubai. Like that looks just so exciting. So I'll have some videos on the show notes again. All right. So that is it for this episode. I'll talk to you all soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode, but don't forget there's way more where that came from. When you become a supporter of the show, you'll get bonus episodes, additional tips on affording travel, real-time updates, as well as strategies for building wealth and creating multiple income streams. Head over to thoughtcard.com forward slash join to support. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram. I'm at the Danielle Desir. Slide in my DMs and share with me your thoughts about this episode. What did you enjoy? What stood out to you? Let me know. I'd absolutely love to connect with you outside of the podcast. See you in the next one.